0: to the Habitat
1: Podcast. The podcast for wildlife habitat management,
2: hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host Jared Van Hees, and I appreciate you coming back to listen today. We are here to become better habitat managers. That's our goal as a nation, if you will, as a community of people trying to learn to be better managers for our wildlife. That's our goal here guys. Thanks so much for for coming back and, and being part of the community. We have a special guest today. We have Mr. Frank Brock from Morse Nursery. Now Morse has been a partner of the show for a while now back when Charlie Morse used to own the company, and uh, the trees are high quality guys, and we have Frank on here to cover. All of that. We cover, you know, how how Frank handled a very quickly growing business last year, trying to keep up with orders and customer service and and helping people out. Um, we get into that and how he's prepared for next year to to do even better and try to mitigate any issues that people had. We also talk about a totally new food plot program called the Legacy Food Plot. It involves trees more so than, you know, your normal clover or or chicory seed. It's pretty interesting. It's a new take, a new look on how to do a food plot, and uh, it can last many, many years. We also talk about your tree planting locations, you know, where you should be planting fruit and mass trees on your property, you know, how a land plan can help determine where to place these and, and just get you started off in the right direction. So, guys, appreciate you coming back. Frank Brock from Morse Nurseries today. Excited to chat and and show you guys uh, what new is going on with Frank. He also launched three new plants, new trees on their website, morrisnursery.com just today. I saw it on Facebook, Uh, three new mass trees up at Morris Nursery and on their Facebook. So go ahead, give them a follow, give them a like, show them some love, tell them that the Habitat podcast sent you. We do appreciate that. You know, we have a lot of people that bought trees this last year and, uh, They are all doing very well, at least from what I've heard. A lot of them are doing awesome. Um, So if you have any, you know, success pictures you want to show and throw up in the Habitat chat group, feel free. Uh, You can message us. We have an email below. Just love hearing from our, our land plan clients, our podcast listeners, our community, like I mentioned. Just really, you know, want to see more of that. We're seeing a lot of our land plan clients, food plots, and switchgrass and everything coming to life this fall. It's just awesome. So... The email is below if you want to send us any information. You can also leave us a review there. Check out all of our sponsors and discounts right down below. And uh, all of that can also be found at habitatpodcast.com. So, guys, have some big things coming this fall on the website. Um, Brian is putting together a new YouTube team. Um, I have a big project going on that we'll be launching probably in December. And then also all of our podcasts are up there. I'm posting a new how to Hunt a Waterhole article from our podcast guest Zach Haas from a while back. Great content up at the Habitat Journal. Our land plan services are on there. We're booking into 2022 already. Um, that list is already getting long, so if you want to reach out, feel free. It's all below. W- Excuse me. I want to thank Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty, and Auction. Morris Nursery, Packer Max Cultipackers, Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, The Squirrel, Nut Planter, and Exodus Trail Cameras. We actually are signing on a brand new sponsor, and you'll be hearing about that very soon. All right, guys, that new partner I mentioned, we are proud to be partnering up with Afflictor Broadheads. I've been on the search for a new broadhead this year. Um, After talking with our buddies over at Exodus, I learned about Afflictor broadheads. You might have seen them on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, I think um, Kip Campbell used to shoot them a bunch. Uh, I know, you know, the guys at Exodus have been shooting them the last couple seasons with good success, so I decided to get a pack and try them for myself. Uh, The first thing I did was set up a shoulder blade and shot the broadhead through a shoulder blade at 20 yards. Blew right through it, great penetration, Um, very happy with that. I've been shooting them out to 40 yards, 50 yards as well with my field tips. As long as your bow is tuned, guys, these fixed blades are flying perfect. Um, The ferrules of this broadhead that I'm shooting are made in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, They're hand-assembled in Texas. So, you know, I'm proud proud to be shooting some, you know, made and assembled here in America type stuff. This year I'll be shooting the Fixed EXT, which is a wide two-blade fixed blade with um, two extra bleeder blades. So technically four blades, but that that real wide two-blade profile. I like that for bone splitting. Um, So far, I'm loving them, guys. They fly great, extremely durable, and the penetration I'm getting is just deadly. So feel free to check them out. The link below will take you right to their website. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get right to it with Frank Brock at Morse Nursery. Alright guys, back again. Another awesome episode of the Habitat Podcast here for you. We have Brian Hallblai, trusty co host on the line. How you doing Brian? I'm doing well, Jared. How are you? Good, good. Doing good. Have a great guest here today. Not to, you know, skip over our greeting together, Brian, but I want to get to our guest. We have Mr. Frank Brock from Morse Nursery. How you doing today, Frank?
1: Doing great. How you guys
2: doing? Doing good. Thank you.
1: Thanks for coming on. Yeah,
2: glad to be back. Yes, yeah, so we had you on, it was episode 104. I remember I was sitting in a Southern Ohio, Ohio hotel room on a hunting weekend when you and I recorded the last one. So, But there's been a lot going on since then. That was, uh, I don't know, 10 months ago or so. You've sold a bunch of trees since then. Um, we've had a bunch of great feedback, and, you know, now we're back. We're getting you back on. We want to hear, you know, what you've been up to. Let's You know, start from the top, though, who you are, Frank, and, and where you work and what you guys do first.
3: Yeah, and I, again, appreciate you guys having me on. Always a pleasure to be on and also as a listener, too. So, um, My name is Frank. I work with Morse Nursery, and I promote habitat management as well as the tree sales and uh you know we've been working very hard um this past year, and we first and foremost want to thank all the habitat podcast listeners that helped contribute to one of the biggest years we've ever had at the nursery in tree orders. Um, it truly wouldn't be possible without all of our customer support and you guys as well. So thank you guys so much and also dealing with us in some growing pains we uh we really appreciate it so. Um, This year, we're looking to have our best crop ever, Um, so we held some trees back last year, which was the reason why some were unavailable this spring, but um, we're going to have our best crop, um, a lot of two-year-old trees, looking about three to six foot in height, Um, and this is the prime time, obviously, to start taking advantage of those, but things are going in the right direction, um, and we're more than ready to service you guys again this year.
2: Austin, yeah, I know, you know, the trees that you guys sell and grow and provide, I've had mine in the ground in my property for a long time, um, and, you know, you guys were growing crazy last year. You know, we had some listeners who, you know, were a little slow on getting their trees, or, or maybe, you know, something showed up, maybe not the right tree, but I know that if you, you know, if you're patient as a customer, Frank, you did get back to people. And, you know, I just want to say I appreciate that. I understand how scaling a business is not always, um, you know, smooth as butter. But I'm looking forward to, to the future with you guys because even though there was a few complaints about, you know, delays or, or anything, I'm also seeing some of the same people loving the growth on their trees since they've had them in the ground this spring. So I just think it speaks to a testament of your product, um, the quality, the rootstock, and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, some of the special things you guys do to why your trees perform so well.
3: Yeah, and again, it's it's to the care and, and quality of trees we offer. You mentioned, like, rootstock, you know, especially if you look at apple trees, you know, we focus on a semi-dwarf M111 disease-resistant rootstock. The reason is, you know, we're we're all habitat managers here. We're trying to bring deer in. We're trying to keep them there for a long time. And you can't do that with a dwarf rootstock. You're going to have a small tree. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but I have a, uh, a dwarf Golden Delicious tree in my backyard on the property that I purchased. The original owner put it in the ground. That thing is maybe 12 to 13 foot tall, but it is loaded with Golden Delicious. The problem is they're already all gone. tree is not big enough. Um, and you're also seeing those quick growth rates as well. We use that rootstock and genetic rootstock to make sure we can get a taller, stronger, faster-growing tree, which inevitably is going to produce sooner. But on top of that, we're not just going to sell you, like, that conservation-type tree that you could get as a bare-root seedling somewhere. We're going to sell you only a genetic-quality tree that we know and we've seen produce when we say it does.
2: Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I know that they just – I mean, we've had some good rain this year, so – I understand that's part of it, but from the feedback that I'm seeing, you know, in our Habitat chat group, we have almost 2,000 people in there. People are posting up pictures of their morse trees. They're already way out of the tree tubes, looking good. Um, I know that's not the case for everybody, but um, I've been seeing a lot of it. So, nice job on that. Way to keep up after a crazy year in 2020 and 2021, (laughs) you know. um, Moving forward, you said you're going to have a pretty good crop coming, and now can you can you tell us why that might be or, or what that means exactly?
3: Yeah, so something in all the, the chaos of what 2020 and 2021 have been with the pandemic and everything, we had more pre-orders by – if you called in and I didn't have trees in stock, it was because by October um, we had pre-orders for the spring and it was wiping our inventory out. So we made the conscious decision last fall to go ahead and set some trees aside and take that initial, hey, we don't have it in stock. Uh, and by doing so, it really helped us build up a huge stockpile of beautiful two-year-old trees, again, from three to six foot in height. Um, we got them all potted up, and they look beautiful. Um, and the best part is, by doing that, now we can really fill and service all your guys' orders because people love keeper pears. People love gold rush apples, Wolf River apples, um, the November, October drop chestnuts. And now we have those all in stock. And, and the best size, you know, we've ever had.
2: Wow. So that's going to pretty much give us a better chance of survival, earlier fruiting and massing, all of that, right?
3: All of that, right. So you're looking at some trees. There's even uh, – we had some three-year-old trees, and those usually go off to commercial jobs or for plantings locally. Um, but some of those three-year-old trees had apples. And, you know, we tell people three to five years – And you could be, if you get a nice two-year-old tree like I'm describing that we have in stock, you could see apples in the next two years. Now, if you see apples year three, let's be smart here. Let's take a photo of it to remember it, and then let's cut that branch and take that little apple off so that tree can continue to get taller for the next growing season, which, again, will mean more production.
1: Yeah, that's impressive any time you can get results in that amount of time, especially for those of us that are, not spring chickens anymore so we'd like to see some big time results in the next five or ten years for sure exactly so you got some uh new projects going on there walk us through what's going to be new coming out of morse and uh everything you got going on there
3: yeah so um just uh talk about something we mentioned last time and something that we've really seen in our own plantings we do mass plantings every year usually to two thousand to three thousand trees And something we always make sure we do is we put them in the tree survival kit. And this isn't a sales scheme or um, the snake, you know, the sales oil and the snake (laughs) skin, whatever. (laughs) I'm not trying to tell anybody on this. This really works. Um, And some properties that we worked with uh, this year from from planning to planting, we were able to keep tabs on And not only see it from our controlled, you know, scientific way of doing research, but also out in the field. You know, when things really, really can hit the fan. And we did this planting in southwest Indiana on 130 acres, beautiful property. Two days after we left that property, the river, the access point, flooded. And it's one of those oh, old man. country roads where they where they it off. So you can't even drive through there. Uh, it completely flooded. And the one thing I harped on them about, it was a large planting. I said, I know it's going to cost a lot of front, but we've got to put these in survival kits. And, man, thank God we did. I I sent Jerry some photos. I think he showed Brian, too. But we got back in there after four months when the river finally went down and the road was back open. And I got in there to take a look. I couldn't even see the trees. The whole field was in 15- to 20-foot weeds. Wow. So I'm sitting there looking at it, and I called the property owner, and I'm like, man, I don't think we're going to be able to get in here to these trees. Um, So he came out, bush hogged it the next day. Went back in there, and my goodness, the results of us putting them in the tree survival kit were second to none. I can't explain. The weeds were 15 to 20 foot tall around these, Not, but the weed mat kept the weeds out from the roots, so protection for those strong, stable roots. But the most interesting part was we're not seeing a lot of sunlight when they're covered by weeds, too. We had persimmon, candy, and magnet, and we had the drop-time chestnuts you can find in our big buck pack. Um, They were all five foot tall, some coming out of the tubes. On top of, we did a whole barrier of silky dogwood in between his clover plot um, as a transition into the chestnuts and persimmon. And those silky dogwood, also covered by the weeds, in their tubes are all up to four foot tall. So the growth rate and the success rate, even in the most extreme conditions, um, was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at those pictures right now, Jared forward to me that's super impressive to see that they were able to survive in that type of conditions
3: yeah not only survive but honestly thrive um landowner he was so thrilled he said thank you for not letting me cage
1: (laughs) unbelievable yeah so the the other added benefit of that too is i've brush hogged around trees before that i haven't put in tubes and you try to put stakes and try to remember where you have them all and that That's just a fantastic way to, for a guy that can't get to his property all the time and come up and do a late brush hog. They're all marked right there, and there's no way that you can run them over. That's that's fantastic.
3: And that was the other thing he was worried about initially too. He's like, you know, I might have trouble finding these, but being in the kits, it's like a big five-foot white pole, so they're hard to miss. Um, and, yeah, again, if they wouldn't have been in tubes, there's no way we could have bush hogged it. And be able to find those trees. We would have had to wait until they all died, all the weeds.
1: Right, for sure. So, what all comes in that tree survival kit, and how do our customers go about uh, installing this?
3: Yeah. So, the tree survival kit um, install wise, we have a video. We're going to make another one that we're going to also provide to you when you order the survival kit to make um, you know using it a little easier. But when you order a tree survival kit, again, for $10 as an add-on, you get the one-year guarantee first and foremost. So whatever happens to it, we know it's protected. We'll replace it. We give you a 60-inch tall, 5-inch wide tree tube. Now, this tree tube is going to protect from any kind of wind because any kind of wind, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, any wind, guys, over 7 miles an hour will actually stop photosynthesis or growth in the tree. So that could be for a day, could be for a week, could be for a month. We really don't know how long that tree is going to be that way with the wind. So only seven miles an hour. So wind first and foremost. Secondly, deer pressure, browse, and rub. Deer love to eat the new growth off these fruit and these oak trees. They love it. And they will browse them till they're gone if they're not protected. So instead of caging, because a cage is great but it can't protect from the wind, This tube allows wind protection, browse, and rub protection until the tree, you're going to leave it in there, guys, until it gets to the full five inch diameter. So really Mm -hmm. solid, strong, straight tree when you take it off. Um, the next step is the weed mat. A three by three foot weed mat is a UV protected material and it's double sided. There's no holes for perforation. And the reason we did that is very interesting. So when you plant a new tree, You put it in the tube with the stake, and you put this weed mat over the tube, and you pin it down to the ground. The roots of that tree are looking for water as soon as they get put in, and I recommend you give them a little bit around the X where the weed mat meets the tube to kind of, you know, make that transition a little easier. But the reason we put no holes in the weed mat, like you might see in other, like, perforated or mesh mats, is because when it rains outside that weed mat, these roots will, like crazy, try to get outside of that three-by-three-foot weed mat to get to the water, the wet soil. So if you can see where I'm going with this, we're talking about a young tree that just got planted that now in the first two to three weeks is going to expand almost three-by-three-foot in root size looking for water. Um, So that's a huge benefit with the weed mat. On top of weed control, like I just mentioned, 15 to 20-foot tall, tall out-of-control weeds, on this property that did not harm the roots or the tree because they were outside the weed mat. They still grew but they didn't affect the tree. On top of the weed mat guys we give you a self-fertilizer and it's called NutriPro. The cool thing about this is it's a maintenance-free way to get fertilizer directly to the roots. You put this little packet and it says on the package do not open. You put that package in the ground six to eight inches down Covered up, and every time it rains, it's going to release fertilizer to those roots directly. So that's a two-year process out of that bag. If you're more north, it lasts most of two years. If you're more south, it's about a year and a half. So we've done some scientific tests on it. But with all those in combination, your tree is the most protected it possibly could be, and it also allows for you to live your daily life and not have to worry about, is my investment a tree is going to survive tonight?
2: I don't know if I knew about the, uh, the competition from the weed roots. That makes perfect sense, um, you know, keeping your trees free of, of that competition. I know you want to keep any competition away from there, but um, that's very interesting stuff, and making them grow out of that weed mat to expand and get more root growth quicker. I'm glad you hit that. Plus, I think with your survival kit, as you said before, there's – Warranty involves, right?
3: Correct. Yeah, one year guarantee from the time we ship um, until that you know that next year when you receive your tree. So we're going to back it up because again, guys, we use this in our own plantings. And for instance, we did a planting and we're always testing with stuff. We did a planting two years ago where we didn't put the weed mats on. We just put the tubes, and we only had a seventy six percent success rate, which is isn't bad. But with combination of the, of the weed mat, because not only does it help grow the roots, Jared, it really helps hold moisture. That's another reason why we didn't put any holes on it. It's not going to allow that, that moisture under the mat to be precipitated up to the sun. And we're talking four to six weeks of moisture under that mat after a fresh rain. So almost maintenance-free with the watering if rain is continuous.
2: I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, 76%, that's still not bad. That's better than um, what I, I think I have in, in my history of doing this. But I think now, you know, moving forward and, and ever since I up with you guys and, and Charlie way back when, it's, you know, they, the trees look great. I'm just – I know that, like, you're a rural king and whatnot. You don't get that kind of guarantee when you buy a tree. So that's awesome. For 1000 dollars you can warranty your trees um, not to plant them again. So we talked about that on, on the last podcast, too. It's just important, guys. We're just trying to just show you how you can properly care for this, this investment, if you will. And speaking of you know, new projects and investing in your property or investment-type tree plantings, um, you called me about a week and a half ago with this new food plot program idea. Why don't you tell us about that, Frank? It's pretty interesting.
3: Man, I'm really excited to—we're uh, to kind, of, kind of introducing it to you guys on the Habitat Podcast first. So, listeners, this is—it's not even really out there yet. This would be the kind of the first look for anybody at it. Um, but we've noticed a few things about food plots that can be, you know, not our favorite. Because again, no knock against the food plot—I would never say not to food plots. Food plotting is huge because anytime you can provide food sources, you're going to hold more deer. Um, we've just found we believe a more efficient, uh, maintenance-free way, and a one-time investment that's gonna you know last for almost 50 years for your property. So a couple things to start we've noticed about food plots. And correct me if I'm wrong, they can be expensive. We're talking equipment, seed, fertilizer sprays. I think we're all part of a Facebook group, even the Habitat Chat, where. We post these different things about look at this tractor and this I use the food plot, which is awesome. But not everyone can afford all that equipment and has that money to do so. On top of that, it can be time-consuming, constant care from you know seed overseeding, having to go disk it up and uh, put fertilizer down. It just you're constantly in the woods. Kind of the same thing. It's repetitive year after year tilling and again just to do it again. There's no guaranteed success in most cases. But obviously, it provides a lot of food. But putting a lot of pressure on the deer is happening as well. I don't think people realize that. And I know it's great for deer sometimes to hear the four-wheeler sound if you're driving into a big property. But being out there and being present in that food plot all the time isn't always the best. And you're kind of creating your own pressure on the deer. And then the final straw for us with food plots is it only usually lasts one season. I don't know if you guys agree with those points or anything to add, or or what do you guys think about that when we're talking about just a food plot in general?
1: Yeah, speaking in generalities, yeah, you hit all the points there for sure. I mean, somebody could make the argument that they do something a lot simpler and a lot cheaper, but, yeah, and overall that you hit hit the nail on the head.
3: And that's where we kind of got to the point of there's got to be a more efficient, easier way. So we created what's called the Legacy Plot, and this Legacy Plot, when you utilize it on your property, you're making a 50-year investment into your property's habitat. Not only are you going to be providing an instant source of food for whitetails that you can hunt over now, but you're leaving your mark for your kids, for your grandkids and their kids to hunt exactly where you did on the property way down the road, okay? Okay. And I think you guys might have heard me mention it earlier. Deer love to eat fresh tree growth. They love it. We've discussed this idea with a uh, a USDA genetic tree specialist. He's retired now, but he was the head of seed development. And he told us an interesting story. They discovered, as well as we've discovered in our own research, that um, deer prefer when browsing, they prefer red oak and white oak leaves over even fruit tree leaves. Just through a browsing study, and um, very interesting, right? So what we did here, I already mentioned the tree survival kits as well. We put a full package together to create a maintenance-free food plot with you guys, with red oak and white oak trees, as well as our two-foot-tall tubes to protect them. So here's the real difference: a one-time investment, a replacement guarantee to ensure success on this package. One-time planting and protection set up. Virtually, it's maintenance-free. In eight to nine years, you could choose to bush hog it and restart the process if you wanted to, but no maintenance required. Less time in the woods means, means less pressure on the deer. And then lastly, creates a legacy for your kids, your grandkids. They can hunt it for the next 50 years. You might be asking what I'm talking about. I'm talking about <laughs> red oak seeds and white oak seeds. So, the plan here is to take a 0.2 acre area on your property, and it is, it can be dry or wet, it can replace an existing food plot, it can be added to an existing food plot, usually about a quarter of an acre in size. We're going to provide in the legacy plot 220 red oak acorns and 20 white oak acorns. We're also going to provide 240 two foot tall tree tubes the same ones we use in the survival kit but at two foot what you're going to do is we'll create a whole process and we have this laid out a six by six grid where you can make that one time planting and we're going to have you drop one acorns or you can even do two acorns in each tube after doing so um, you're going to sprinkle some soil over it and apply a second layer of mulch to kind of create your own earth crust, and where the the sea can actually stratify over the winter. So this is best done to do in the fall. So you could put this in the ground this fall, and you could be seeing three-foot, four-foot-tall trees by next spring, coming out of the tube. Now, you might ask me, where am I going with this? The browsing. Deer love fresh growth on red oak and white oak trees. The deer will come through, browse away on these trees as soon as they get above that two-foot tube mark, and they will keep and maintain that for you. So that's what, like when I said, you know, you can hunt this in, in the next six, seven months. And then what's going to happen when some of the deer can't stop all the trees from growing? Eventually, you're going to have 50 to 70-foot tall oak trees dropping and producing acorns as well. So it's, it's a new concept, but it's a way to do it without having to re every year, replant, um, and any kind of maintenance, the deer are going to take care of it for you, and at the same time, you're going to take care of the deer.
2: That's super interesting, Frank. And no, my first thought as well as probably many listeners: wait, we're planting trees so the deer can eat them?
0: <laughs> you know, it's, exactly.
2: It's not. It's not conventional. It's not um, what we've been taught and heard the whole time, but. I know it works because I planted an apple tree, I think, three years ago, did not cage it, did not tube it, just I was running around, let it go. First of all, that thing was rubbed on. Second of all, all the leaves at deer height are all chewed off. Um, the tree's still surviving, but they just pounded the the growth, the fresh growth on that. So I can't imagine what, um, you know, 50 trees or 250, however many in your legacy plot here, you know, keep getting nipped off. Now, are these trees able to handle being, you know, chopped off with the main leader like that?
3: They are, and that's the best part. Um, Being in that two-foot tube, that tree every year, let's say the deer, like you just said, demolish the tree at that two-foot mark every year. Well, next year, that tree is still, and the roots of that tree are still a year older. So that tree the next year is going to grow at a a two-year-old rate. And then the next year, a three-year-old root. So it's going to keep up and keep providing that food source over and over again for the deer. It's like a natural pruning when they browse it. So it's just going to create more leaves on this tree. And 10 years from now, it might only be five foot tall, but you have a 10-year-old root system underneath that too.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. continues to build its root system and get bigger as the tops keep getting nipped off and that'll bring more and more minerals too so it's almost like a uh, mineral stump when you get to that point. it is
3: it is Brian. and what I, and what i like about it too is again in the name of not saying don't use a food plot let's maximize this i know killer food plot has some great clover mixes if you take that six by six grid on your quarter acre and you spread clover in between all these um the legacy plot it's going to provide great nitrogen for those roots to thrive even more and make the soil a little looser for them. And now not only are the deer browsing on the red oak and white oak leaves, now they're eating their clover too. It's just a way to solidify that food plot without all the work every year.
1: Yeah, that was going to be my next question was uh how to control the the weeds and the grasses, but that makes a lot of sense if you put clover down. The trees can handle some grass selective herbicide so you can control a lot of it just that way too.
3: Because I don't want to stop everyone from getting the four-wheeler out or the tractor out and disking up some dirt. <laughs> that's right. the last thing I want to do. But if you go out there and do that one time and you do it right and you put the clover down, and that's all you put down every year, it's, it's going to be very maintenance, easy to control. And then on top of it, again, the whole point of 50 years from now, let's say you just let it go, or if you wanted a few trees to be taller, you could take a full-size tree tube, and just protect a certain amount of trees and say, okay, I want these 20 oak trees to be my producers and rain down acorns on top of my legacy plot. So now I have clover in the 6 by 6 grid. I have 2 foot, 3 foot, 4 foot tall red oak, white oak trees. And now I have 20, 30, 40, 100 foot tall oak trees raining acorns. So it can really become something special on top of putting our shrubs or some of our fruit trees around the outside.
2: Yeah, Brian mentioned we were texting um, earlier about this, and he he called it a controlled regeneration in woody brows. You know, it's it's like we go reset the forest to get this sort of early successional growth, um, and you're creating it as a food source where you want it which is interesting. And then are these certain – there, is there a certain type of red or white oak that you're, you're going after here? Is it special? Is it not special? Does it matter? What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, so we would be pulling from our own, um, own trees on the property for acorns. Uh, we have a lot. And we also have some other um, research people we work with. So, like, our red oaks, we, don't, we know exactly which ones are coming from. Uh, if you're looking at our white oaks, we'd specifically probably use Bodocious burr and Concordia. Um, as well so we're going to make sure they're quality and that's again why we want to we'll put a guarantee on this let's say jared i set you up on the legacy plot uh, everything's going great but let's say 30 of those acorns never sprouted we'll replace those free of charge um, again we're not in it to get you to till up something and replant next year we want to make sure you're successful with the legacy plot so you get the full value of this product on your property
1: Yeah, I like how you mentioned adding some other varieties, too, around it. Uh, I know my last Ohio farm had some big stands of maple, and and that was all that there was around for miles. So doing something like that, adding some more native uh, hazelnuts or or things like that, you could really do something special with some different blocks and just kind of rotate it, too, as you go through your timber management.
3: Exactly. And we all know that deer are attracted to this fresh growth. I mean, look at the cages we we constantly put around our trees to keep the deer off. They love it. And so we might as well give them what they want. I know we are all convinced and told to protect trees. I even tell you to protect your trees with a survival kit until they get full growth. But in this case, this is a way, again, to plant all those oak trees, but see the benefit now instead
2: of three to six years down the road. Definitely an interesting concept. I think um, if you, it's like my 15 acres, right? I don't have a, a ton of room to do a bunch of experimental stuff all the time. Uh, I have been, but for somebody who has more of a, a blank slate, especially, you know, you got some room. Maybe you're turning an old conventional farm field into habitat. This is perfect. I mean, you're, you're going to add food, cover, nutrition, food plot as well. You know, the clover, I would. Definitely pair it with some clover. Um, and what about what about fertilizing? Are you supposed to do any sort of fertilizing, any maintenance like that every year? Um, you know, I, I guess, uh, is there any sort of routine stuff, like pretty much not touch it, but any sort of other routine stuff that you could do to even boost it?
3: There is. Um, multiple different, like, fish fertilizers you could use to increase growth. You could even pair it with our NutriPro pro the self-fertilizer packs, because if you planted those – down the rows, you would just have a maintenance-free fertilizer for the next two years as well. So that would be a great way to do it, or even just your normal spraying. I know people, I don't want to keep people out of the woods enjoying taking care of their plots, right? But if you want to increase the growth, there's definitely some measures you can take with the fertilizers um, that's going to help it grow faster. But again, in the name of the deer, destroying it, down to two foot.
2: <laughs> no, I know, it's still hard to wrap your head around, right? Like <laughs>
3: No, nah,
2: I know. <laughs> but, it, and
3: oh, but
1: maybe that – Go
2: ahead. No, I was just going to say, maybe it depends on where you put this. You said dry or wet. Um, how exactly does that yeah. work? Because I know different oak species like wet feet, don't like wet feet. What are your thoughts there?
3: Yeah, so it can go in a dry or wet area because we're going to make sure a lot of these are crossed with those genetics of, like, swamp okay. white that have those, those damp, you know, roots that can deal with it. But something else to mention, too, like, I know, obviously – um, Jared you guys land plan a lot of properties we do something Morse too. speaking with someone that does the planning of your property and explaining to them what do you think about this um, and kind of getting their feedback on it because they're going to understand where to put something like this on your property for instance if you know Jared came out to my property and I wanted to put the legacy plot down he would be able to find that area with his expertise and say hey we want to be right here with this because of this this and this so incorporating that land plan I think it's becoming more important than ever because I know we all like to act like we know it all. But even I and I know Jared and Brian that we all don't know it all either. So getting different opinions on placement is always key because you want to create that place where the deer feel welcome, they feel safe. And you want to create that early season, mid-season, and late season.
2: Nope, that makes perfect sense. I'm uh I'm the first to admit I don't know everything. So no worries there, and I think you know if you go through an investment like this and you plant trees, you know, go through the initial investment, time, money, uh, work, and then you know all of a sudden you realize it's in a bad spot. Well, that's kind of, like you said. It's kind of the stuff we offer with with our plan. I know you do some plans as well where we can save you that you know hopeful hopeful maybe maybe that regretful thought you had. Or maybe I shouldn't have put them over there where I have to walk yeah. by my access every time or or something like that. So. I think you, know, you you talk about that tree, the importance of a tree location all the time. And we'll, we'll get to that next. But anything else about about this legacy plot? Are these available now? I know we're just launching this. This is the first time anybody's ever heard about it. Um, I guess is there a time where this is going going live, or, or what are your thoughts there?
3: Yeah. So uh, September first, we hope to unveil it on the website. We're only going to sell so many this first year. So pre-orders are definitely going to be important. Um, that's, again, why I wanted to offer it to the Habitat podcast listeners first. We offer uh, the Habitat uh, promo code, the Habitat team. So this is a way for you guys to also get that 10% off on this legacy plot before it gets maybe bought out after we take it to, to market and magazines and other stuff like that.
2: Awesome. Well, hey, we appreciate that. And I think um, you know, working with a guy like you and your company, you know, our listeners are going to reap the benefits from that. So. Thank you. Definitely. Now, moving on from, from the legacy plot, which I'm going to be thinking about for probably the next month, um, you talked about the importance of tree locations. What's a day look like for you on somebody's property when you're assessing where to plant, you know, your more trees?
3: Great question, Jared. Um, so for me, I really have to first, We always start our process with like a 30-minute exploration call just to understand what your goals are Um, because I I need to know what you're thinking. When you hunt, um, what kind of gun or bow do you want to use, just the details to understand if I was you, how would I utilize this property, first of all, as a hunter, And then stepping back and saying, okay, as as a habitat manager, how can we take this property to the next level? And the biggest thing I've noticed on a lot of properties is there's always that one spot that's always hard to get to that they never go and I always like to start there and then after starting there being like hey if you don't like going back here I want to keep you out of here let's plant that early season plot where right now August September uh, in my backyard honey crisp apples are falling we're already creating a pattern right now in August for the deer to feel comfortable and get a taste of chestnuts apples persimmon in that time frame and then from there we look for a mid-season area, usually bringing the deer pattern back towards whether the entry point or if they live on the property of the house. And the reason is, again, in the name of pressure, I don't want you going all the way back to hunt in the very back of the property with your October-November drop chestnuts and your double red dropping in November if you have to go 100 acres to get there. Because more than likely, you're going to bump those deer unless you're just uh, a ninja assassin jumping through the, the trees so let's put it back in the back for an early season plot where the deer can really enjoy it um and again not have any pressure and that's the beauty of the survival kit you can put those back there and let them go and they're going to grow great and provide that you know that opening pattern so moving forward looking at a mid-season plot what can we put on the ground for archery season from october into early november from hybrid pears to um Different apples like Liberty. Uh, we also have, like, the Morse, the Morse Big Crab that drops in that late September, October, early November time frame. The October uh, Chestnuts and Candy for cinnamon. There's so many options we have, guys, where you can create that reoccurring food source that will only give more to you each year. So an early season plot, a mid-season plot, and then we're figuring this out, right? A destination late-season plot. October, late October all the way into early January, when there's nothing else alive on the ground, we want to make sure we know where the deer are at. And I'm not necessarily a guy that wants to hunt over my trees. I'm more of that guy that's going to sit on the trail to that destination food plot. So creating that pattern plays into how I want to hunt. And we could adjust that pattern based off how you want to hunt. But with that being said, we get into that late season food plot. We have November chestnut. We have magnet persimmon. We have Keith Pears. We have Double Red Crabs, Whitney Crab Apples. Um, We can even throw in, like, Enterprise Apples. We want to create as much diversity in that late-season plot and mid-season plot as possible. And something typically that they've already had a taste of in the early-season plot. So it's driving that pattern, right? They want to come back. They want to come back. If you're going to stay at a hotel, Jared, and the food sucks the first night, you might be like, oh, we'll give it a try the next time. But then that continental breakfast comes again it's really bad, and now the water's not working in your room, you're probably not going to stay another night. You're going to go find a different hotel. Same thing for the deer. Why would they keep coming back if the food source ends in September or October? Let's get those deer to come back in November, December. Let's get them in February and, um, you know, through May when nothing's really green. Let's get them picking up acorns out of the snow are left around because acorns can stay on the ground for a year. There's ways to make your food source work for your property based off the month time, and it helps you understand as a hunter how to hunt more efficiently and with less ease.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree on on everything. Yeah, I mean, you, we preach diversity all the time. Um, yeah, and and you you just went through about ten different diversity pros there, like. Having your property be the outlier is kind of what I always like to say, and if you had different mass dropping different times, um, different locations on the property where you're not blowing them out with good access, good pressure, again, stuff we always talk about, that just makes perfect sense to me. Um, I get it. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, and getting that repetition of having those deer coming in, the, the does teaching their fawns, and then... Those fawns growing up and teaching their fawns, and then the bucks coming around—that that's really important. Even building just a regular food plot program, just having that consistency and having those deer relate to those areas that are always going to have food for sure.
3: Exactly. You guys, I mean, you, you guys, you guys see it when your own properties is too. It's just, it just—it doesn't matter how big the property is. It really, I think, depends on the setup. And if they put the right stuff in place, you know, with the food plotting. something like a legacy plot or even soft mass or soft mass you know chestnut trees having diversity that someone else doesn't have on your property makes so much sense if you if you love a certain food you know and that only this restaurant sells it you're going there right deer are so much like humans it's crazy they're based off patterns they have that habitual movement and what you just said brian i have i mentioned that golden delicious tree the dwarf out here they pick it off every year. When I first bought the property five years ago now, I remember pulling up uh, when we were first remodeling in the farmhouse, and the deer were out there with their young. It was a doe and three fawn, and they were just snacking away. Weren't used to anyone being there, so it was no problem for them to come up. Last night on, on, my, on my camera, um, there's a buck A-Point, Under the Honeycrisp Apple Tree, Searching the Ground. At nine nine p.m., as soon as the sun went down and that crazy heat went away, he's out there. And I bet you, I don't know if he's a five a four year old, but he's one of those bucks that have been led to that tree his whole life, and he knows. Okay, I know where the food is this time of year.
2: It's just a pattern. Yeah, especially if you're in a big monotonous forest or big, you know, lots of state land around or something, you know, something that's very. Um, regular to an area and not, not the outlier. If you can be that dropping apple tree when, when there's not another one around, um, that's dynamite. I mean, absolutely dynamite. I know a lot of old farm properties, and this and that you'll find apple trees in the homestead parts and even on the woods, you'll find them every now and then, but I've been on plenty of properties who don't have an apple tree or you know, not a ton of acorn mass falling that you could, you know, timely hunt around or, or figure it out. So it's been nice to to hear somebody else preach a little diversity. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you mentioned, you know, not having apple trees on the property, but if you think about it, and maybe you haven't seen this, but a lot of the people that I've gone to, properties of plan, they have the apple trees on the property. Um, but that's the thing is everyone kind of thinks apples thing like clover first. When if you can think chestnuts and persimmon and pears, it's high, it's, a high, it's a high doubt that someone next to you has chestnuts, persimmon, and pears on their property unless they talk to me me specifically. Because if you were living around me and you called Morris, I probably wouldn't tell you. I'd tell you to put apples on the property because I don't want you pulling deer away from my property. So it really does make a difference, guys, with like chestnuts, persimmon, pears, the diversity, right? You're so right, Jared. Be the outlier. And we say that in life, right? Stand out, do something different. That's doing something different, creating diversity. When if you're up on the state land, they probably don't have chestnuts and persimmon planted. Where do you think those deer are going to go? To your property during those months, because they have an endless amount of acorns out in that state land. So why would we plant, like, oak trees, for instance?
2: That's kind of exactly what I was referring to. Yep. I mean, we hunt a lot in northern Michigan on the state land up there. Um, and I haven't found an apple tree yet. I'm sure there's a couple yeah. out and around. But, yeah, if you can if you can get the pear and persimmon in there, too, and, and chestnut. Brian, you had some stuff like that put it on your old 40, right? You had a couple of unique mass trees out there.
1: Yeah, I tried to keep it as diverse as possible, like we were talking about. I had some uh, chestnuts. I had some pears, lots of apples. Yeah, just uh, kind of... Got it started and uh, didn't really reap the didn't really keep it long enough to see the benefits, but they were doing very well when I sold it.
2: Yeah, I think um, you know I'm kind the same boat. Mine aren't, mine aren't dropping quite yet, but hopefully anytime soon. Now, Frank, I know it's you know late August, early September. People probably aren't thinking about their spring tree order quite yet, unless they listen to me yap about it. Um, are you guys? open for business at this point? What's that look like? What should people be thinking about over the next, well, before it's too late to order, you know? What? Yeah, yep. What's on the agenda?
3: So we actually opened up a month early this year, so we opened August 1st, and we've already been taking pre-orders for the spring. We've already had 100 orders. So I would strongly recommend that you guys start to look at planting very soon here for the fall. We're going to start shipping trees. Uh, the week of September twentieth, twenty twenty one. So once this kind of crazy summer heat cools off, we'll be ready to get some some planting in. Um, but if you're not thinking of the fall, that's fine. I'm, I'm a big advocate for spring planting to give those roots a full, uh, full season's growth before their first winter. But like something like the legacy food plot, that would be something great to get in the ground now because the winter is going to stratify those seeds and have them ready to go in the spring for you. So. After all the orders we had last year, guys, and the amount of inventory we have in stock, it's almost a guarantee that if you were looking for something last year and we didn't have it, we have it this year. But you got to take advantage, use the Habitat 10 code for 10% off, and call us or email us Frank at com or visit the website www.morsenursery.com and get that pre-order in because I, I nothing worse. And when someone calls me and they're asking about a key for pair or a gold rush or an enterprise or a Wolf River or the big bus pack with the October, November chestnut and persimmon, and i got to tell them no, right? That hurts to do, and you have to wait a whole other year to start this process. So don't get behind the eight ball. Um, this is kind of how things are going. It's going to be pre-orders, August, September, October, and then usually inventory starts to go way down.
2: Okay. No, that's great. That's great. I know we've we've talked about getting your spring order together, you know, in the fall before. At least start thinking about it. Start considering. Check out Morse and, um, and use that code. But your your legacy plot thing, that's super interesting. I think how long does a does seed need to stratify if you don't do it, if you don't plant in the fall and you want to elect to, to do it in the spring? Do you recommend they stratify the acorns then as well?
3: Um, You don't have to, and, again, that's why we want to make this configurable to everybody, not just, like, customizable, so that way it can fit kind of any property. So that's why we're willing to replace the acorns. Let's say you can't pull the trigger this fall um, on the legacy food plot and you want to do a spring planting, then that's something that we could do. And, again, if it doesn't sprout, we'll replace it for you guys because we're not looking to have reoccurring sales off this. We want to make it a one-time investment to really change the scope of your property.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Frank. It was good chatting trees again with you, and uh, I can't wait to get together and, and start, you know, we're going to produce some more content at some point for the listeners and, and really, you know, get to know you and your products uh, as we move forward together. So really do appreciate it.
3: Yep, appreciate you guys for having me on. Thanks again.
2: Thanks, Frank. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor, leave us a five star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, habitatpodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan. check out our HP land plans there we also have hats t-shirts and decals up at habitatpodcast.com of course all of our podcast episodes and then we have a new Habitat podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts um, you know more of a blog post from us every now and then we'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook and YouTube found the Habitat podcast and please subscribe that really helps us And thank you very much to our sponsors. I'd like to thank Exodus Trail Cameras, The Squirrel at NutPlanter.com, Afflictor Broadheads, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max Cultipackers, Killer Food Plots, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake State's Realty and Auction, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers.